This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Good days. Again, I, I kind of forewarned everybody on the text message, but I'm just going to say this now as well. This is a little bit different than what I've always done. Okay? This is going to be a, a little bit different from everything. We're going to see an Orachai Makadosh that's going to throw this whole Pusik into turmoil and turn it all around. And there's going to be a lot of information here that I'm not sure I get so fully, but it's going to be interesting to go through. So here's what it says. Perachav Beis, Pasuk Gid Beis. ki zor. When the daughter of a Kohen marries a non-Kohen. Okay? A zor means a Yisrael or a Levi. A non-Kohen. He bitrumas hakadashim lo sochel. She cannot eat trumas hakadashim, which simply means truma, right? The truma that normally goes to the coin, and she would be able to eat if she was in her father's house. She cannot eat that trumas hakadashim. Now, again, although this pasuk seems to say the daughter of a coin that marries a man that is usher to her is not allowed to eat kadashim, and I shouldn't say usher to her, but rather an ish zor, somebody who's not a coin, the wording allows for a bunch of other limudim as well, a bunch of things that you can end up learning from. This includes includes any woman who marries someone usher to them, that they would be forbidden from having truma or chose vishok, which are the two legs, the leg and the, the chest of the animal that's given to a coin from every korban, from the korban shlomim, I should say, or marrying a coin in the future. That all of those types of things would be usher if she asks, if she asserts herself, she's together with that. So leish zor could be not just a, a levi or yisrael, but it could be a guy that's forbidden to her in the first place. And if that happens, she's done. She can never go back to her father's house seemingly, and that's that. Now a woman who's married to a levi or a yisrael would also not be allowed to partake in anything, the chose of a or the truma while she's still married to the levi or the yisrael until her husband dies or she's divorced right and even then only certain things will be allowed she can go back to her father's house for truma but she can never go back to chose of a daughter who is married off cannot come back and eat the chose of ashok that's not going to be there it may even include a wife of a coin who is together with someone she shouldn't have been together with and that forbids her from eating truma or kudshim because of her husband from that point on. Those three limudim are possible from this Pasuk. Now, we're going to go through some of those options and explain them within the context of the Rishonim on this Pasuk. So it says, who is the strange man? Rashi says it's a Levi or Yisrael. It's not referring to the Usher people, which again was an option over here, but it's not. Once she marries them, she can't eat the Trumas HaKadshim of her father's house. Sefer HaChinuch in Mitzvah number 283 says the wife of a person is considered like the Tzela of that person. Tzela as if the rib of of that person. Just like he can't eat truma, she won't be able to do so either. A Zor can't eat truma, she won't be able to eat truma. You see the connection? Like, she's married, she no longer has the rights to her father's house. She's no longer going home. Okay, that's that. Now, the Mizrahi explains, he says, that you might think that a Zor would refer to a Mamzer. Maybe it's referring to somebody who's totally puzzled to her, a nusin, a mamzer, or even a halal in some way, that she wouldn't be able to then marry into a Kohen's family from that point on. But that would be someone who is a czar for all of Klal Yisrael, not just to Abbas Kohen. This is going to be kisia le'ish zor, means someone who's strange 
for her, not necessarily for everybody. Their relationship wouldn't forbid her from marrying a Kohen in the future, as a Mamzer would, right? But it still disqualifies her from eating Truma during the duration of their relationship. That's the idea that's brought out from the Mizrahi itself. The Oznayim Latorah, however, he says that it's learned from the word La'ish. The fact that it says La'ish, when it could have said Lazor. It could have said La'ish, period. But it says Le'ish Zor. And therefore, the Ish Zor tells me that it's just a non-coin. The Malbim agrees. We don't need the word Ish to describe what a Zor is. That's not necessary, right? On how to read this Pasuk. But Ladina, right, he ends up saying, the Malbim says, you don't need it. I mean, there's only need for this Russia. And the Shari Aaron talks about this as well. The Chsam Sofer points out that an Ish Zor is not allowed to eat Truma and Trumas Kudshim from her father's house, right? And the reason why is because... She may come to feed, or she can't eat it when she leaves her father's house, because she may come to feed it to her husband, and he can't eat it. Her body is not nischal, which means she can go back to eating truma at some other point. That's how the Chsam Sofer puts it, if her husband dies. But because we're afraid she's going to feed it to somebody else, then it's almost like a kenas. You married someone who's not a Kohen, you get fined for doing so, and that's that. The Meshachachma says the same. He compares it to a Gemarin Ksuvis, Nunzayin Mabez, which says in Arusa, right, who's married to a, a Kohen, cannot eat Truma if she's a Basisral, because she may come to feed her family from that stuff that she's given from the Kohen itself. But, to sort of end this off, I've got a Rehersh, a Meshachachma, and a Chizkuni, and then we're going to go to the Warachayim HaKadosh. Rehersh points out that this is not just Truma taken from fruits, right? Truma Sakadoshim is not just Truma. It's Truma Sakadoshim. It's something lifted out of the Kadoshim. Now, here's the deal. We all know that there are four Korban animals that are brought to a Kadosh Baruch Hu, an Ola, a Chatos, an Asham, and a Shlomim. And Ola is entirely consumed by Hashem. They take off some of the parts, like the hooves and the horns and the skin, and they give that to the Quran, and the Quran are allowed to do whatever they want with that. They can use it as, as, as money, etc. They're allowed to take that for themselves. But then the rest of the animal, including the innards, is burned on the Mizbeach. That's the Ola, nobody eats from it. Chatas and Asham is only eaten by the Kohen. The meat is eaten by the Kohen, and it must be eaten within the walls of the Azara itself. They can't leave, they can't bring it home, they can't do anything else with it. That is supposed to be eaten in the Azara itself, and that's that. However, Kadshim Kalim, like the Shlomim, have a different status. That could, some of it is brought on the on the Mizbeach, as you imagine, the innards. Some of it is given to the Balim, and they're allowed to eat everything else. But the Chose and the Shok, the Chose being the chest, the Shok being the right leg, that's given to the Kohen. And the Kohen is allowed to eat that anywhere he wants. He can bring it home. He doesn't have to eat it in the Azari. He's allowed to bring it home as well. That is what we call Trumas, the gift, what's lifted out of HaKadoshim, of the Kadshim themselves. There's Kadshim, that is the Chatas, the, the Shlomim itself, right? And the Truma of that Kadshim that's given over to the Kohen, that's what she's not allowed to eat. So if Hirsch points this out and says, Abbas Kohen, that marries Azor, meaning a Levi or Yisrael, and she's gone from her father's house, even if she becomes widowed or divorced without children, 
nonetheless will never be able to eat the chose of Ashok ever again. So the way to read the Pasuk is Ubas going Kisili's door. She marries to someone else, whether that's a Levi or Yisrael or somebody usher to her, whatever it is. He betruma sakadashim lo sochel. She will never eat truma sakadashim ever again. Truma? Yeah, she'll come back for that. She'll get truma again. But truma sakadashim? Never. That will never happen at any other point. That's going to be gone. That's how Refersh understands from this Pasuk itself and how to understand it. Yeah. Does that uh, include somebody who's Kedushin not tofis is considered Izor plus, like like a mamzer or a nasin. Then for sure she wouldn't be able to go. She doesn't even go back for truma. She knocks herself out completely. But this woman is going to be that. So either way, that's that, everybody. And that's how Rav Hirsch learns up this Pasuk in Pshat. However, there is a Meshachachma. Rav Meshachachma points out that the Yushalmi in Yavamis, Paraktes, Halachaches, says this refers to the wife of a Kohen being together with, as we kind of mentioned this up above, being together with a slave, a non-Jew, or someone she's chayiv curries for being with while being married to the Kohen. And that forbids her from eating truma again. Not because she's going back to her father's house. She's not a Bas Kohen necessarily. When we say Bas Kohen, it's not referring to the daughter of a Kohen. It's somebody who's married to a Kohen. Kisia Lishor doesn't mean she's marrying an Ishor. That means she's being together with an Ishor. If that's happening, says the Meshachachma from the Yushalmi, right, that forbids her from eating eating truma again. And again, it's not specifically truma sakajim. It's truma that she's not allowed to eat again. However, if she was pregnant from the Kohen and then was together with one of the three people above, the child is not puzzle. And that child is mutri truma his or her entire life, depending on what it is. And that's what the Medrash means when it says in the Pasuk, he velo obra. It's not pashib shot in the Pasuk. It's simply put, uvas Kohen means the daughter of the Kohen. It doesn't mean the wife of a Kohen, but the Rushalmi darshans it from this Pusik, and that's over here as well. And the lesson behind it is that the child is still kosher. The child does not lose that kashras that he had. The Chizkuni then asks why Ubas Kohen appears in both Psukim Yudbeis and Yigibal, the Pusik after this as well. And he says Yudbeis is telling us that this Pusik is when she was together with someone who's puzzled her, that makes her puzzle. And the next Pusik is for something different. That's the idea, guys, and that's that. Now, the Shach, Torah says something that's super interesting. He says that the Bas Kohen over here refers to the Neshama of an Ish Zor. It's not referring to a daughter of a Kohen or anything like that. It's the Neshama of an Ish Zor. A Russia who does terrible things, estranging himself from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, making himself look strange, a Zor to Hashem. Such a Neshama, a Neshama that does strange things, that sins so badly that he's kicked out from Hashem and he's estranged from Hashem, such a Neshama cannot eat Shumas HaKadoshim, which means the Chelek of the Tzadikim La'asid Lavo. Such a person is not going to be allowed in. He's going to be kicked out of Olam Haba, thrown out of Olam Haba, and nothing will go to him. The Neshama feels embarrassed and wants to fly away from its host, the Russia. The Neshama wants to do that, but it cannot. In the end, it won't be able to be with the other Neshamos that are with it. It will suffer terribly from that. And all of that is being hinted to in this Pasuk. Ubas koen ki Once the Neshama is connected with that Russia, there is nothing else he can do. That Neshama is gone, and it's a reference to what's going to happen to that Neshama in the future. The Shach does that by each one of these Psukim. This is the one that specifically goes over here. And that is a perfect lead or a segue to what the Orachim HaKadr says. Now here's 
Orachayim. The Orachayim HaKadosh has a huge drasha. He says, he quotes the Torah's Quanim, that the mother of this girl will still be able to eat truma because of her, even if she herself can't eat truma. Right? It's true, even if the mother was widowed from her husband, the coin, as long as she has children or alive, you're still going to be able to eat, etc. That's the first part he goes into. But then, he gives a huge remez. In order to understand this remez, I made ten hakdamos. Ten introductions that are going to lead into the pshat that he's going to say in the Pasuk. When I say pshat, it's the furthest thing from pshat. Okay, we're going to go into a remez that this Pasuk is referring to. But ten hakdamos. So if you have your sheets, you can follow along with me. Number one, the Gemaran Sanhedrin says the level of B'nai Yisrael is higher than that of Malachim. Malachim are omdim. They stand. They can take in, but they cannot grow. They are who they are, and that's it. Gavriel is Gavriel. Starts off at an unbelievable high level, but will never grow to be a greater Gavriel. Michal, Rafael, every Malach is like that. They are absolute Omdim. Malachim, according to Medrash Rabbah, it's in Bemibar says, Malachim see B'nai Yisrael sitting in front of Hashem, darshaning whatever they darshan in the Torah itself, and ask them what they're doing. Because they have no ability to go any further than where they're allowed to go. They have that and that's that. That's why we say every morning, they're no snim rishus zelazeh. They give permission to each other. As if there's a hierarchy, hierarchy, I'm sorry, of angels that go one on top of the other. And each one has to ask rishus from the one above and the one above and the one above. The connecting angel that goes all the way up. Because otherwise, they have no ability to get any higher. There's no such thing as growth. Human beings all have growth, right? We have the ability to affect things in this world. We have the ability to be mashpia to others in this world, and even, not exactly, to HaKadosh Baruch The Nefesh HaChaim says in his first two Chalakim that we have the ability to daven, to learn, to do Maisim Tovim, and what we do doesn't affect God, but allows there to be Shefa thrown up above. It's like you're taking all that and you're throwing it up above, seeding the clouds, and making the clouds rain back down on top of us. So we do it. We're mashpia above, and then HaKadosh Baruch who is mashpia right back down on us. That's the idea of what we're referring to over here. We have the ability to affect the world. The angels absolutely do not. They're given messages. They do what they're supposed to do. They are messengers. They are nothing more than that. That's number one. Number two says there are four worlds that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made, and each one is higher than the others. They're all hinted to in the Pasuk in Yeshaya, Mem Gimel Vav, which we talked about when we did Navi on Wednesdays. It says, Kol Nikra Bishmi, anyone that is, or anything that is called in my name, and for my kavod, Barasiv Yotzartiv Afasisiv. I have created it, I have formed it, not necessarily in that order, and I have made it. Lichvodi, he says, says Orachana Kadosh, is the highest world, which is known as Atsilus, a world where HaKadosh Baruch, who is beyond our world, whatever you want to call it, it's not something where we understand anything. The next one is Barasiv, Berea, the world of Berea, of creation, so to speak. The next one is Yetzira, Yetzartiv, the world of formation. And then Asisiv, the world of Asiya, the world that we are in, the world where we do things, where we can do things, affect things, make things happen, etc. That's that. He then says that each one of these worlds connects with one of the letters of Hashem's name. We know that the tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of Hashem, Yud, and then a He, and then a Vav, and then a He, they're obviously, it's a special name that refers to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Each one refers to something different. The Yud, for that world of Atzilus, the He, right? 
for Berea, the the uh, the vav, I'm sorry, for Yitzira, and the hay for Asiya. We don't have to go any further than that. He just says that that's the reference of Yudke Vavke, just to help you understand that there are four worlds that we deal with. They're called Abia, Aleph, Bez, Yud, Ayin, as in Atzilus, Bria, Yitzira, Asiya. Next, number three, we know that there are four. Maybe five, but the fifth is way high up, and it's something we can't connect to. But there are also four parts to our soul. Everybody's heard, and I'm sure, the Neiran, the Nefesh, the Ruach, and the Neshama. You've heard that in different places. But there is a fourth part that's called the Neshama, the Neshama, the Neshama of the Neshama, so to speak. And it's also known as the word Chaya allowing you to have life. The fifth one is called Yechida, that's the crown of the Yud, whatever that means, the Adam HaShalim, that's another level that's up there. But you have these four parts. Again, if we have it correctly, it would be the Nefesh, the Ruach, the Neshama, and then the Chaya. This is brought in Bereshis Rabbah, Yud Dalid Tess. The fourth one, the Chaya, Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, there are different references to them. We see the word Nefesh throughout the Torah, we see the word Ruach throughout the Torah, we see the word Neshama throughout the Torah. Those are not things that we've never heard. Chaya, however, sounds a little weird. Where does that come from? It's based on a Pasuk in Yecheskel toward the beginning, Ki Ruach HaChaya Ba'ofanim. The spirit of the Chaya, right, was in the Ofanim. It's called the Neshama, the Neshama, the highest level that a person can connect to, the world of Atzilus, which is beyond our understanding. That's that. Number four. Additionally, additionally to everything we just said, the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is known as light, and it's not a good word for it, if you're even going to use the word light, right, it should be with a capital L. It's or, but even or does not do it justice. It's what we can describe as how HaKadosh Baruch Hu's influence appears in the world as light permeates the darkness. That's the idea behind it. There's an or that fills up every single world, even mitachas zroos olam, as it says in Parshas Zosa Bracha, right? Even under the arms of the world itself, so to speak, I'm sorry to say it, the armpit of the world, even that the light is able to get to. That light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them power. That gives them influence. It allows them to be what they are. It allows them to subsist, to exist the way they are. The life source of all of Kla Yisrael comes from that light. It's called Chelek Hashem Amo. The portion of God is his people and is one of the reasons why we are called Banim La Hashem. It's as if we are given that influence from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our father, Chas Hashem, to say that in a, natu- in a normal way, right? But because the same way that a father would do anything for his son, that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu willing to give anything to us and it goes through our souls from the Chaya on down to the Neshama to the Ruach to the Nefesh allowing us to be the people who we are allowing our bodies to have what we need to continue to subsist that's the idea behind it that or that goes from one to the other one to the other that's four so far number five putting those ideas together those four that we have already he says in the name of Anshe Emes, which you can imagine what that is, that the amounts and abilities that that ore is able to do, that it can get into, is obviously the least amount is in the lowest world. The ore fills up, so to speak, the world of Atsilus and Berea to a certain level, and Yitzira to a certain level, but when we get to our world, we can barely see the light. They call that in Tanya Tzimtzumim. 
contractions, where in order for us to continue to have Bechira and choose between good and evil and to decide whether I'm going to do the right thing or the wrong thing, then we have to have those options available to us. The options can only be available if the or is contracted away, if we can't see the light. If it was obvious to us that God existed, we wouldn't be able to choose evil. It would be impossible. We need to have that option for the world to continue to have its whatever the plan that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had in it, and that's that. And therefore, the Olam HaAsiyah, the world we're in, has the lowest amount of ore of any of the worlds above, which means the most amount of suffolk, of doubt, where we don't know what's going on. It only contains a bit of the life force necessary to allow us to move around and live. And that's why we feel the outside world so strongly. We feel physicality, we feel our gosh, we feel our bodies moving, but the, the neshama, our neshamos, we can barely feel. The ore isn't spreading through that. The ore isn't getting us through that. We just don't feel like it's strong enough to get through our physical senses. HaKadosh Baruch wanted the world to be this way, as I said before. That is part of the challenge. That's part of what it is. That light to, that makes it this far down is called the nefesh. That's the nefesh that you have within you. The l- highest level that a person, that a human body can reach to, that we can feel like we actually have, yet the lowest level of ore that a person can possibly get. As you go on, your ruach has more ore, the neshama more, the chaya obviously more, and yechida filled with it completely. All of that based on those worlds and everything that we said above. Now, number six. The way God made our souls is through connections. The nefesh is not disparate from the ruach, and the ruach completely separate from the neshama. It's that each one, the nefesh, the ruach, the neshama, and everything is connected to each other with a tenuous connection. What I mean by that is, is that they're connected as much as we try to make that connection. If we don't make the connection between them, and we leave ourselves as just base people on this earth, cavemen that are going out with their little clubs and like hitting things and whatever it is, then yeah, you don't really really feel the connection to your nefesh. If you never want to make that connection, you just won't, and that's that. But our body is connected to the nefesh in some way, shape, or form. The same, which means that our gashmias is always interconnected with our ruchnias. Gashmias is formed out of four basic elements. You've all heard this. The offer and the ruach and the Aish and the Mayim. And those four form what we have as Gashmias. And obviously those are also connected in a different way to the four worlds and the Nishama, Ruach, Nefesh, and the, the Chaya and to everything else we just talked about. But there's a constant battle going on because of the four of the physicality and the four of Ruchnias. And in order to get the person to make the right decision, you have your body, which is battling the four, I should say, not battling, but being together with those four elements down here on earth, fighting, fighting tooth and nail with the nefesh that's trying to take its influence that it gets from the Ruach, that it gets from the Neshama, that it gets to the Chaya, from the Chaya to be able to go through. And that's it. That's what we have. Man has a nefesh. The closest thing we can get within ruchnius to the physical and within physical to the ruchnius. And it, it itself, right, needs the body. The nefesh can't do anything without the body. The nefesh is just an empty nothingness. There's nothing that it can do in the physical world in order for it to do anything, to do a mitzvah, to learn Torah, to speak the words of tefillah. It needs to have a connection with the physical body. Through the nefesh, 
everything communicates. Your body is able to get a connection all the way up to the Ruach, up to the Neshama. The problem is, like, can you imagine? You're, you're dealing with somebody, if you're dealing with the Ruach, trying to connect with the goof. You're dealing with somebody who understands everything absolutely clearly. You would be talking to a guy who is a, an expert, an expert, and this is Lahavdil, and quantum theory. And that quantum theory scientist, who's on the highest level, teaching at the highest college, to the highest people, right, is trying to explain things to a two-year-old. How is the two-year-old going to understand it? The goof has no connection to the Ruach. It can't. How in the world is something up there? And forget, that's just the Ruach. Forget about the Neshama and forget about the Chayat. There's no way to get it all down there. So what do you need? You need an interconnector. You need somebody who can speak to that scientist, who can understand the scientist's language, and to be able to dumb it down to the two-year-old. And to be able to say something like, here's building blocks and let me show you how to be able to do it. There needs to be something that's there. And that is exactly what the nefesh is constantly doing. Giving messages from the body to the ruach. And from the ruach down to the body. So that the body understands there is a higher form. It just, yeah, it's, it's part of that connecting system and it's difficult to be able to get to. But the nefesh is that medium. And it's not just the nefesh. The ruach is the medium between the nefesh and the neshama. And the neshama is the medium between the ruach and the chaya. And each world is like that. Each thing is like that. Where well, you need that connector, but it's really hard to get to. Number seven. Our job, our mission, according to the Yodei Das Kedoshim, is for shleiman, great people, to take the gift of light that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us, allowing our nefashos to be connected to our body, giving us a reason to exist, and raising it up level by level from nefesh to ruach to neshama. And that is the purpose of creation. To make man, lowercase m, I almost said men, to man, uppercase m, right? To make us into the person we are. To enjoy life and enjoy everything that a Kodesh Baruch has to offer us. Feeling like he, we deserve this because we worked really hard to do. That if we really work hard at it, this will happen. No longer do you feel like you're getting something for free because that's the way the world had been up until this point. Until this point, everything had just been given to us, handed to us. As if HaKadosh Baruch was saying, look, you don't deserve this, but here you go. And we get everything. But when we work hard, when we connect, and we allow our nefesh to be able to affect our bodies so that we do the things that we want to do, even even though it goes against our base nature. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And you say, no, that's not the greatest thing for me. Then you feel, you earned something. You worked hard. You persevered. That's what you end up getting. And then when you did that, you raised yourself above that, then you can free feed yourself from the hand of Hashem. So instead of it being that a Kaddish Baruch was, so to speak, literally taking the spoon and pouring it down for you, you're eventually able to get to the point where you are feeding yourself. You're picking up a spoon as a two-year-old and for the very first time, taking the yogurt and putting it inside your, your own mouth. It's a good marshal, right? To be able to do it as if, oh my gosh, I can do this, I can do this. And you need the help of the Ruach to be able to tell the Nefesh, to be able to tell the Goof what to do. And when you do that, you start feeding yourself. Number eight, everything in this world, from the top world on, ba- on down, is fed through what Hashem calls that or, that Shefa, that influence that comes down over there. It's literally food. Food that's coming from up above. The Yud of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, the Neshama of all the Neshamos, gets the most of it, and it feeds those on down. But obviously, it has to take a lot for itself. 
so it's only able to feed a little bit to the, the one below. Luckily, the world below, Berea, doesn't need as much. But everything goes through from one world to the other, and again, almost like funneled down until it can get all the way down to us. Kedusha is increased in those upper worlds. That's what they need, while the Sia needs the least amount. But nonetheless, Atom Mechaya is Kulam. you're taking care of everybody. And that Shefa is still there. It's like a flower gaining nutrients from the ground. And think about a flower for a second. Where are the nutrients going in from? I want you to look at a flower the opposite way. We see a flower and we see these petals and we see the beauty all the way up on top. But that's the weakest part of the flower. You can easily pull a petal off without any problems. Try tearing over the stem and it's a little bit harder. Go down toward the ground and it's even harder. Try tearing up the roots. The roots of a flower are unbelievably strong. Right? They're not crazy strong, but that's that. Turn it around now. That's atzilus. That is the roots of the flower grabbing everything that Hashem needs and allowing the nutrients to flow through. It goes into the stem and it goes all the way down. The flower on top looks like the most important part. It looks like it's huge. It looks like this is the beauty of everything there. But the truth is, it's the weakest, the quickest to die, and the one part that is not necessary for the life of the flower. You cut off the roots, the whole flower is dead. You cut off the top, the flower will regrow. Do you get the idea behind it? It's the exact opposite way of what a person would see. The food is going through from one to the other, and yet on the top, it could easily be plucked off. That's Asiya versus Berea versus Yitzira, Yitzira, then Berea, and then Atsilos on the bottom. Everything in creation needs a substance. It doesn't matter if it's a malach, a human being, the chaya of our soul system. I like that word, by the way. That's my own invention. But the soul system that we have over here, right? Not everything is equal, and even parts that are alike, right, are not the same. But everything needs this to go on and become something. And number nine, we're almost done. I told you, ten. Okay, we're almost there. Number nine, when a person is able to connect to his nefesh in this world and cannot go any further, if you're, that's it. Like, once you connect there, his deeds are not able to have a much of an effect above. If you can't get any higher, if you can't do anything more, then that's that. A person might say to himself, what's the big deal? Look, do I need to get the highest level? I just need to get into Gan Eden. If I can get in there, that should be perfectly fine. Like a person goes to a baseball game and he says, what's the big deal? If I spend, uh, you know, a thousand dollars, I can get a, you know, a seat on all the way by the field. If I spend 200 bucks, I can get a seat 20 rows up. If I spend 100 bucks, I can get a seat 50 rows up. If I spend $10, I'll have standing room only by, you know, someplace in the back. What difference does it make? I'll get into Olam Haba and I'll be fine. So you could be the guy who I know who bought a ticket to the World Series, Game 7 of the World Series when the Cubs were playing in Cleveland. Bought the ticket for the cheapest amount that he could find, which was $800. And he was sitting behind a pole. Sitting behind a pole. They sold the seat. <laughs> Why would you sit there? He couldn't see. He couldn't see. The entire game, he had to go like this, right? Or stand up and go around. For $800, it was the cheapest possible. But you're standing behind. You want to be that guy in Olamaba? The guy who's just like, everything's going on in front. There's tons of Hasidim, you know, sitting there, like dancing with like, whatever's going on in front. And you're that guy back there who's just like, oh man, I got this massive pole with millions, billions of people there, and you're behind a pole. Do you want that? See, the line is that when people say, what's the big deal? You're selling yourself short, says Zorachayim HaKadosh. You're causing yourself to lose an opportunity that you'll never get otherwise, and you'll feel like you're missing something. You'll feel like you don't have something in the next world, because you know you should have. For example, it is through one's ruach 
that you can cause a positive effect right on that world itself through the means of davening or speaking out words of Torah, literally the ruach of a person. And again, the Nefesh Chaim speaks about this as well. But you can do that. You can do it. Your Nefesh through Maisim, your ruach through speech, your Neshama and the other way, each one in its own special way. But your good deeds can have that effect. But his ruach will allow things to happen that could not have happened otherwise. That's when you acquire your soul. You're kone your soul. You're able to get something. You're being called a bal nefesh, literally, or even a bal ruach, and being in a different place. Everything you do that you improve upon, you'll be able to bring yourself to other levels that you couldn't imagine possible beforehand, and that's all available. How does it happen? How do you bring yourself higher and higher and higher? In one of two ways. Either it happens through schus avos, not you, but you had a father or a grandfather or a great-grandfather who birthed you into this level, and therefore you're already there. You don't even have to work hard. You're already up there. Rechaim Knievsky was born from the stipler. If he would have done nothing, he still would have been way higher than I'm ever going to get to. He's the son of the stipler gone. He's the nephew of the chazanish. That's already on the highest of the highs. How could you imagine anything higher? But if you do more, if he works on himself, as the Kadalador did for many, many, many years, then all of a sudden you're able to make yourself something different. He quotes the Pasuk, Ruvain Bechoriato, that Yaakov said to Ruvain, you're my Bechor, you're automatically somebody great said Yaakov Avinu. You're my Bechor. Kochi voracious Oni. You're my power. You're the first of my strength. That's what I already gave into you. Your potential was amazing. You were supposed to be the Kohen. You were supposed to be the Melech. You were supposed to be the, the uh, what else was it? The Bechor status, whatever that meant, to do the Avoda. And you lost everything. You lost everything. You didn't get anything from it. Why? Because you were born that great. Your job was to get even higher. You should have been even more than that. That's what it says. But the second way is the power of Torah learning. I don't know why he doesn't mention davening. It's not for me to say. I have absolutely no idea. But he says specifically through Torah learning. He says the Torah, the Zohar speaks about it in Shor, Okezaweiz, Kiyivaleid. It can happen even if your level is lower than others. Torah can propel you to levels that you couldn't imagine possible. It's able to bring you up. And number 10, the pagam, the loss that's caused by a sin, right, that one does, has a different effect on all the different parts of the neshama. Meaning, the pagam that happens to the nefesh is much greater and yet not as strong as the pagam on the ruach. The pagam on the ruach even more so, and I'll explain. It makes a lot of sense when we think about it in a different type of way. By an neshama, right, when you have a soul, a full soul that has it, you have a tiny, tiny little bit of a piece missing. A little bit that darkens it just a little bit and you feel like you lost everything. The nefesh is not as crazy. You have a little bit of a darkening. It's not that bad. It's like a person. You have certain expectations. So I have a certain expectation of a guy in my shear, right? And I'm expecting this guy to be really, really, really good. On the other hand, there's another guy that I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to read Tosos. I don't know if he's going to be able to work as hard. When that guy doesn't read Tosos well, I look at him and I'm like, how could you not know that Tosos? How could it be? Right? How could it be? You have such abilities. You have the ability to do something so great. Even a tiny little pagam is terrible. Well, on the other guy, the guy not reading a Tosos, the guy just breaking his teeth and understanding two words of Tosos that this guy took for granted because he learned it 10 years ago is already something to bless. Hey, you look at that guy and you say, that's absolutely amazing. That's the difference. Because there's an Ishama, so to speak, and then there's an Nefesh. The Pagam by the Nefesh is, has to be much stronger in order for it to be worse. That's the difference. 
And each neshama, each thing, each thing that goes, every sin that a person does, does something to the nefesh, does something to the world, something to the neshama. It might be smaller and smaller because it has less to affect as it goes higher and higher. But nonetheless, it's there. And when a Kaddish Baruch Hu asks us, when we pass away, biyadkoth, kid ruchi, we're asking a Kaddish Baruch Hu, I'm giving you my song, giving you my ruach every single night. A Kaddish Baruch Hu looks at it and says, did you get, give it back the same way I gave it to you? Is it clean? Is it cleansed from all the things? Or is it dirty now and I have to shine it up again? When we pass away after 120, it's exactly what a Kaddish Baruch Hu does and that's what's going to happen in the based in Shomayla after the Yom Adina Gadol on the day that Tzchiyas Mesim happens. We're going to go forth to a Kaddish Baruch Hu and a Kaddish Baruch Hu is going to say, here's what I gave you. What did you give me back? And he's going to look at all parts, the Nefesh, the Ruach, the Nefesh, everything. And he's going to say, what did you do? You're going to lose certain parts of it that means you're going to lose out on certain things that you can't get from that point on. And now he says, after those ten, now look at the psukim. The whole zor lo yochal kodesh. This was a couple psukim before our pasuk that we were learning about today. The whole zor lo yochal kodesh. Obviously it means a non-kohen, right, is not allowed to eat chuma or kudshim that are not his to eat. Obviously that's that. But this also means he's not able to partake of kedusha that's hidden from the world. The food, the shefa that we talked about, that influence that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is in, the kedusha that a Kaddish Baruch Hu allows to be brought into the world, a zor, a person that does sins, that does a chait, that estranges his neshama from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, lo yochal kodesh, will not get what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is giving us down here. A toshav kohen, toshav kohen, he says, is the ruach of the person. That's the ruach. Since the kohen is the neshama, the ruach is the converter, the in-between, between the neshama and the nefesh. He calls that the toshav, the one in-between, the ability to dwell in this world. The toshav coin feels it and can't eat from that kedusha. And the schir, the rented worker of a coin, also can't eat it. The schir is the nefesh, the worker bee. The worker, the guy who's hired to do everything, the lower level of those three, he also won't be able to get the spiritual food that it needs to keep it alive. They're not zochar to have that food from above. They're not zochar to the Muslim, which is a very high level. Each one of them, because he's a zor, because he sinned, each one of them lose out on what they could get. The next passage says, V'kohen, referring again to the neshama, ki yikne nefesh, when it makes a connection to the nefesh, through that ruach, like we said above, like the Akdamos we said above, was talking about, allowing the person to become a baal nefesh, allowing to become holier, to make that connection between the nefesh and the neshama by having that ruach in between, and raising yourself up levels, learning that Torah, or through that natural means that you had through your parents, to be able to get to that incredible thing, hu yochal bo, that one will eat it. That's when you'll be able to feel a little bit. The nefesh will be able to feed upon the kedusha, the truma that a Kaddish Baruch Hu brings inside this world. The ruach will be able to do it. The neshama will be able to do it. Every single level will be able to get to that. But not only that, but also yilid beso. Those that are born into his house, the nefashos, hakedushos, that have fallen off the way. Those nefashos that have done, they have the power, they have the power, through the power of the neshama, to be fed, to bring the person back up. When a person has those thoughts of tshuva, that's because the neshama and the ruach gave it to him, gave a little bit of extra kedusha. You leave this sort of like a, mag, a, 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 call like a magnetic piece, pulling up pieces from the ground, allowing the nefesh to grow up a little bit fur, further. But of course, something might happen. 
Bas Kohen, referring to the Neshama after the person does something wrong, falls into the hands of the Satan itself, that marries an Ish Zor, connects itself to the Satan, to all the Chataim, to those terrible things that he did. He betrumas HaKadashim lo selchel. The Truma of such Kedusha, even a 50th of the Kedusha, as Truma is given, a Mita Bainanis is 1 50th, 2% of your total amount of that you give. Even that, the ore is darkened. There's something missing. There's something there, and that's our Pasuk. The Neshama simply lost its level of Kedusha, and it gets only 1 50th of what it could possibly get, and even that it's not getting. But there is one more line. The other Bas Kohen is the highest level. That highest level we talked about above the Neshama, the highest, says the Orachim Kadosh. He says, even that... Ubas Kohen, the next one, in Pasuk Yud Gimel, it has a Tlisha Kitana over it, the trup, a Tlisha Kitana, the sign of a high madrega. I don't understand what that means. As I said before, there are certain things that we're just not going to understand here. But that Chaya feels like an almana, like a widow, like its husband, the body, the other lower forms of the soul, the nefesh, ruach, neshama, left her. She doesn't able to, she's not able to get the mezonos. The chaya feels bereft of everything. And the grusha, leaving the body, feels like it's totally disconnected from those parts. As we said, there's a tenuous connection. But if a person wants to, he can disconnect. Almost like a piece of kares, like where you lost parts of the soul as if you can't get there. When that person, when that bas coin is an almana or a grusha and can't get that kedusha that it needs, the zera einla, it's because she has no peros, there's no mitzvot, there's nothing, she's deprived of everything good in this this world. Nonetheless, the shaval beisabiya, she goes back to eat from the table of her father as if she feels like she's a child again, she can still get it through a gift. Maybe not in the way that you're feeling yigia kapecha kisocha, like you did something yourself but through a gift, maybe not through her own maisim tovim, but because a Karshpar who is that kind, he's willing to start over with you. You'll get that free gift. You'll be able to go back to the original, the original father. Your father will be able to give you what you need, and you can start all over again. But it all starts because chol zor lo yochal kodesh. It's the way it ends. It's the way it began. On a shama that's connected to evil and can't get itself out, will never be able to get it from above. The only thing you can hope for is that gift from above to be able to think that you have to start all over and try to work your way back so way to the point where you can start doing meisim and start affecting the worlds above. Is that crazy? I told you. Don't normally do this. This is a very, very unique case. But this is an unbelievable Rechaimah Kodesh that with those ten Akdamos, we could possibly understand something else that's happening here, something that's beyond. And I did this because, look, we're, there are certain things in Pshat that we can always get. There are certain things in Drush that are very, very confusing. Rameh, when you're hinting to something else in the Parsha, is way, way beyond us. But for us to even appreciate a little bit of this is totally worth it. That we have something, we could get a little bit of something, that there's something that we can do to improve our souls, and those Akdamas were beautiful, even if we don't get the application back in the Psukim. But each one of them, I think that's good enough for this. Have a good job, guys. We'll stop here.